Hey, you want to learn more about your authentic sexual self or learn how to naturally increase your libido? Stay tuned. We've got two experts in the studio tonight. Welcome, everyone. It is Dating, Mating, Communicating. This is Constance Dunn, and I am so excited about the show tonight. That is because we have two experts in the house, and we are going to talk about an area that can be very mystifying and confusing no matter your age, and that is sex, specifically your sexual self. And tonight joining us is a very well-known certified sex therapist. Her name is Kimberly um, Resnick Anderson. I always think of you as KRA. That's so. right. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <sign on my laughs> Who has such a wealth of information, and I'm going to have to be careful not to ask you too many questions because I know you have so much expertise. We are also joined by Jackie Robertson, who is also a holistic nutritionist, and she is going to enlighten us about the whole link between nutrition, what we eat every day, our choices we make, and how that might be impacting our libido, our sex drive, and ladies, our hormones. So let's get it on. Okay, Kimberly, I have to start with you. Yes. You are, um, your website KimberlyResnickAnderson.com is a wealth of expertise. And one of the things I just stopped in, and of course I stayed there for like two hours, and I <laughs> learned so much, but one of the lines that came out um, that struck me was female sexual desire is extraordinarily complex. Yes. You are someone who's been doing this for 25 years. That's correct. All right. So as a woman, it is very complex. You kind of, you winnow three things down into three categories. And mm-hmm. I think that's a great place to start. Tell me sure. about this. Sure. So... Desire is the first phase of sexual response, and the phases of sexual response are desire, arousal, orgasm, and satisfaction. Okay. Okay? We used to believe that you had to jump on in the beginning, and then in a linear way, just go right across. But now there's new approaches and theories about female sexual response that is circular instead of linear. Wow. Which means you can hop on at any point on the circle. You don't have to start with desire. It's just a different way of thinking about it. Right. But desire um, is the most fragile phase of sexual response, especially for women. Mm -hmm. And there are a number of reasons for that. One is because men have 10 times more testosterone than women do at all stages of life. So they have, men have that uh, hormonal biologic push Mm -hmm. that keeps them ready to go 24-7. Okay. Okay, so... On my website, I break desire down into three separate subcomponents. Mm-hmm. There's a biologic component, a social component, and a psychological component. The biologic component represents the energy in your body that you feel, the horniness, the libido, the drive, right. the primal animalistic energy, right? It's uh, hardwired and has nothing to do with the quality of your relationship. Uh, It is just like an animal instinct, okay? Then there's a social component of desire, and this represents things like culture, media, Mm -hmm. uh, religion, family, peers, all the the inputs we get from all the different uh, key institutions and uh, stakeholders in our life. And this is where some people get tripped up Because, for example, let's say you're a 16-year-old Catholic boy. Your hormones are raging. You're getting spontaneous erections, you know, in the middle of geometry class, right? Um, But Sister Mary Susan tells you if you masturbate, you're going to 
go to hell for all eternity or go blind or grow hair on your palms or any number of good things that we've all heard. And so what is that boy to do? Does he give in to his sexual desires and then feel guilty and ashamed and afraid? Um, or does he try to deny those sexual feelings and he's grumpy and irritable and preoccupied and distracted because he has no outlet. Right. So you could see right just there that there's a setup there for conflict. Mm -hmm. And then we add the third component, which is the psychological component. And this has to do with the, the non-sexual quality of your relationship. So do you like your partner? Do you find them attractive? Do you mm -hmm. trust them? Um, do you feel comfortable with your own body? Are you sick, tired, pregnant? Um, you know, have a chronic illness, taking medication. Um, so things like stress and anxiety and all of these things can interfere with your libido. So as we age, these three competing facets of desire trump each other. So when we're 16, it's maybe we're going to have more difficulty in that social component, right? Mm -hmm. Because of those messages from society and good girls do this and bad girls do this and good boys do this and bad boys do this. As we age, then we have more biologic problems, right? Because we have hormone changes and, um, you know, aging process and all sorts of other things. Right. Then psychologically, depending upon what stage of life you are, you're going to have either more or less stress, and your relationship is going to be healthier or less healthy, depending on who you're with, at what stage of your life. And so all of these things, each in and of themselves, are quite complex. When you juxtapose them all together, and you have to kind of negotiate these three competing forces at any stage of your life, it gets pretty complicated. But I think just breaking it down like you have, just at least as an individual saying, okay, let me think about these three areas. Mm -hmm. And Jackie Robertson, I know that you are a wealth of information and I love the work. I, I just have to mention, I love the passion. Like mm -hmm. looking at your social media, you are all in. Like this is your life. You want to help people feel better and look good and perform good. And you're both very, very devoted to making people's lives better. And I have to give you a lot of accolades mm -hmm. for that. I really, I already appreciate it. I'm just like <laughs> noticing some of the things like I've learned quite a bit from you guys but you're very focused kind of on the biological aspect mm -hmm. and so hormones what if you are a person that let's just say like a teenager and people are talking about oh my god my hormones are going crazy but you don't naturally feel this urge to jump on every bob sue with dave mm -hmm. is there something i mean do people just have different levels of hormones naturally yeah is and i think what we're seeing now mm -hmm. is essentially that we're being so influenced by these external factors you know xenoestrogens which are essentially fake estrogens yes that we're getting from our environment i've heard this i've it's, heard it's this it's crazy yeah Right, so we're getting it from our food sources, you know, right. these these meats that are just mm -hmm. pumped full of antibiotics, hormones, and it's just messing with our body's own chemistry. So it basically mimics the body's own natural production of hormones, and it doesn't know what to do with it. So what we're seeing, and, and with a lot of my clients, and it's been my experience, is, you know, chronic PMS. Mm -hmm. And which is basically, you know, another word for high estrogen levels, right? Right, estrogen dominance, and we're getting that excess estrogen from our foods that we're eating, from the grains, from the sugars, right? Mm -hmm. Like, as a society, we we actually consume over two hundred pounds of sugar a year. Like, can you imagine that? Like, that's crazy. Like, 
it's nuts. It is nuts. So yeah. would you say that, you know, if you are somebody who doesn't, is not practicing great nutrition, this is a little mm-hmm. bit of a different topic. What are some kind of things that an everyday person, just little switches up that, that can help their libido or their drive if, if it's in fact suffering because of, yeah. of a biological or nutrition based reason? Yeah. So really simple things I like to incorporate with my clients. So cruciferous veggies, so things like broccoli, cauliflower, kale, right. can actually bind those xenoestrogens and have them removed through the body. Good, okay, good. So just adding some more veggies to your diet. Okay. Um, you know, we're always talking about probiotics and you know nourishing the colon. So sauerkraut, you know, adding a bit of sauerkraut with your with your meals and helping to get that good probiotic digestion going on in the, in the gut health because you know we talk about the gut brain right. connection. And it's, it's that 95% of our serotonin is actually produced in our gut. That's right. So if we're not populating that with these good nourishing foods, then, yeah, no wonder we're seeing so much depression, so much anxiety. You know, these, these things are, you know, they're, they're rampant in our society. And depression, as mm-hmm. you may know from following me, is just such a passionate topic for me. So I'm always curious about these young women who are taking birth control who are, you know, pump full of all these excess estrogens and just eating a high, high carbohydrate, high sugar diet. So and girls are menstruating yeah. younger and younger. It's, uh, yeah. Eight, yeah. nine, 10 year olds are, they're physically mature, but they're emotionally children. Mm. And right. so it sets up an even more complicated dynamic because they're getting attention from boys. Yes. That they're not ready for. Right. And they end up having shame about their bodies mm. or their, the size of their breasts. Right. Um, or they they go the other way and they maybe you know have a phase of promiscuity where they're like a kid in a candy store with all this attention. So we as a society do a terrible job of speaking to our kids about sex. Mm-hmm. And the younger the kid, the worse job we do. Really, it's backwards. The younger a child, the sooner we should start talking. Wow. Even preschool. Yeah. And there are countries that start formal sex ed during preschool, and that's the way it should be. So when people say the talk, uh-huh. I laugh because it's really it's a lifelong conversation. Mm-hmm. It's not a one-time talk. Mm-hmm. So it's just you speak to someone at a developmentally appropriate age when they're three Mm -hmm. and then when they're four and when they're five and when they're, you know, you don't wait until some magical puberty moment, right? Right. To to educate your kids. Now you're talking about cultural programming in this uh, show. I talk quite a bit. Um, I always kind of talk about how I always had wished growing up there was an alternative for the girls in the sense that there's a lot of cultural programming that's very much about when you should be having sex how quick and to me I was always like I remember reading my sister's like magazines and it's just like you know three dates after three dates that's like culturally acceptable to have sex with them and I was just like are you mad like y'all are a stranger at three dates like there's no reason there was no way that I personally desire is not going to be inspired by a stranger. That's something that I would not do, but I always had the problem because I'm a modern woman who dated, Mm -hmm. and that sets up this interesting thing that men are going to be expecting sex, and I never knew, even though my focus is communication, I've been in the area Mm -hmm. for a while, I have a master's degree, I teach it, Um, I was like, hmm, it's a conundrum, because I'd be going, I'm married now, but Mm -hmm. I was single for a long time as an adult, and I was like, what should I do? Because I know that this person, the norm for them, Mm -hmm. is probably they are going to be sleeping (laughs) with a woman, they meet a woman, they have a good time, maybe they'll sleep together that night maybe they'll sleep together in a month that's not going to happen with me and I don't want to have this conversation like hi since yeah. appetizers are coming right, I want right. to let you know you're not going 
that name exactly. until I'm probably engaged with you or we are very in love or we are very good friends and there is intimacy. Mm-hmm. So it's always funny. It's like, I'm, I want to be the one out there for the girls who are like, that programming that like screw quickly does not no. speak for us. No. We're modern women. But do you know, fascinatingly, the trend among uh-huh. millennials is to have sex before you even go on a date. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, there was a, a big study that was just recently published wow. in US, USA Today that asked me to sort of quote, yeah, share my thoughts about. And I see in my clinical practice that the sex is the easy, breezy part. Wow. And it's the introducing someone and incorporating them into your life, having them meet your friends, your family. That's the intimate part. The sex is the not intimate Mm -hmm. part. That's a trend among millennials right now. Do you have a professional opinion on that trend? Good, bad, indifferent? Um, Well, I think it's a product of our technology Mm -hmm. that it's just so easy to find someone to have sex with. That's not the the complicated part. The part then that's hard is deciding whether or not you're compatible, whether you like them. Well, you know what? On the communication side, this is uh, something that one of the areas um, is that dating. This was like a staple of me coming up is uh, having going out on a date, having a bottle of wine, having dinner, getting Mm -hmm. to know you. That was always like so exciting, you know, dating. And I was reading that the face-to-face dinner date is going the way of the horse and buggy because um, millennials particularly are very uncomfortable with a sustained mm-hmm. face-to-face interaction with a member of the opposite sex. I'm like, because, guys, because. Uh, well, and then we have Tinder, right? And it's right. like, swipe left. There's right. just 2,500 more waiting exactly. for me. So it's exactly. it's so accessible. And, you know, going back, you said mentioned something earlier about the, the, the shame piece. Yes. And, you know, for women, it's like, we're just expected that we're just going to give it up and it's going to be automatic. And then what if we don't? And, you know, so I, I always think about the shame piece. That's a, shame. You know, I've had almost near violence yeah. with around this. Mm-hmm. And this is like me as an adult woman going out with like someone who's an educated, yeah. high influence type of person where it's been like, wow, I maybe should have called the police. Yeah. I had to yeah. physically like push that person yeah. away repeatedly mm-hmm. and like run away from them. And wow. the shame I imagine you may have felt like, what did I do? Right. I'm, I'm a professional you know, woman, and right. I, know what I, I know. I must have this. sent the wrong. Yeah. Right, so no, holding yeah. hands along the yeah. boardwalk means yeah. DJs. Oh. I did not know. Someone did not give me that right. memo. That's so, right. um, yeah. So it's very difficult. Do you have any kind of inform, you know, information to kind of help the girls out there who kind of are like in this arena that are are, are very modern? They're perhaps not coming at it from a religious mm-hmm. perspective, but you know, how can you kind of how can you kind of communicate to a mate? that this is, I'm going to be very different in this mm-hmm. way. So part of it is a, is about permission giving. So the pendulum swings, right, from one extreme to the other. We had, you know, the 50s, and then we had the 60s, and we had the 70s, and we had the 80s, we had the night, right? So, so culture, in a lot of my work, I weave mm-hmm. in culture, mm-hmm. um, and these messages and societal expectations and mixed signals, because we're saying... Sex is good, sex is bad, sex is hot, sex is dirty, sex is wrong, sex is right. And it's like we're bombarded with all these competing messages. Mm-hmm. So which message do you buy into? Um, and can you be sure it's the right one? And because it, we're such a sex-negative mm-hmm. society overall, there's not really a lot of opportunity for young people to 
explore these things. You know, I had this idea that a great way to really understand who you are sexually is to really just explore yourself sexually and really just try to block out all the programming or at least have a, a detachment from it. At least go, okay, I see where this messaging might have come from here. Yes. But who, that's what I do. Who am I really? That's, who am I really? That is my mission in life. That's it's, what I've been doing for 25 years. I facilitate um, someone's sharing of their sexual story. Wow. So what were the things that influenced you positively and negatively? What shaped your notions about sexuality, wow. your masculinity, your femininity? Where, do, where did things get stuck, right, in, ter- in your development? What are the things that you're still trying to recover from? Um, and I, I developed a, a clinical model of my own. It's called the Comfort Inducing Sexuality Dialogue. Wow. And can read about it on my website okay. on your next visit. Right. <laughs> and it really is um, a, 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 a protocol to address exactly what you're talking about. Okay, that's what, great. What is your erotic script? Yours. What yeah. is your intrinsic sexual story? What turns you on? What's your sexual map? When left to your own imagination, what are the themes that turn you on, Right. And a lot of women will say, well, I don't have fantasies. Fantasies are for men. Like, I don't have a fan. I don't have fantasies. But women do. I got some fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> so, so part of it is just giving them permission to acknowledge that they have sexual thoughts and feelings. And women will come in and say, I have zero sex drive. Mm-hmm. And then I talked to them and I found out they have sexual dreams. And, and they um, notice they have sexual energy and they occasionally masturbate. So say, you you have sexual desire. It's just not translating to your partner. Wow. Right? Mm-hmm. So I help try to tease them out, like the nuances, right? And is this lifelong or acquired? Is this global versus situational? Is this biological versus psychogenic or psychological? There, there, are, there are a few simple questions that can shed tremendous light on someone's sexual situation. That's awesome. And I mm-hmm. want to get back to that. Jackie, there's something about... Of hormones. And again, I was just talking to you before the show, but I am just learning now that as women, because of our menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. because we have something happening every week of the month, um, that, that that can really drive a lot of our, perhaps our behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we get better in touch with, with hormonally what is happening to me this week? What is happening next week? Yeah. So one of the things I always do, and I've had it for years, is a period tracker. So an app on my phone, and I mean, I'm, I'm like obsessively tracking. I'm like, okay, I'm on day five. I, I know what that means. Oh, I'm feeling a little, a little bit more frisky. You know? so, so what happens is in our hormonal cycle, we produce more estrogen in the first half of our cycle. From okay. day one to 14, we peak around ovulation. 14. And day one being the first day you bleed. Exactly. Day 14 mm-hmm. being when we around when we ovulate. Okay. And then estrogen declines and we start to see progesterone go up. Okay. But what we're seeing because of this estrogen dominance coming from all these xenoestrogens from the foods that we're eating, right. the water we're drinking, the plastics, mm-hmm. is that progesterone is going down. So that progesterone is that hormone that makes us feel calm, Does it makes it? us feel okay. good. And a lot of us are having really low progesterone, which was my case, and high estrogen. So through diet and nutrition, and I actually tracked this with my lab work over a six-month period, I saw my estrogen decrease by almost 50% just from supplementation and food alone, wow. which is incredible. Now, I know you've worked with clinics to do actually um, create formulate supplements. Absolutely. 
Um, yeah. is, I'm just curious, is there, is there a line that you're particularly fond of when a woman is looking at just like regular supplements, whether it's just vitamins or you just want to boost your, your, your nutritional state a little yeah, bit? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, clients are always looking for affordability and okay. quality. Mm-hmm. So Natural Factors is a brand okay. I, I quite often go to. Um, one supplement I've been playing around with the last six, six months that has literally changed my life is, uh-huh. is the Pure Therapeutic Ketones. Mm. And so I've talked a little bit in my videos about ketosis. Right. So basically, in a nutshell, your body has two forms of burning energy. It can burn from sugar, glucose, mm-hmm. or fat, ketones. Okay. And it actually, the body, the brain, the liver, the heart actually prefers to burn from the ketones. Mm. So most of us are sugar burners because we're having, you know, way too much sugar. Because we have a lot of sugar. Yeah, okay. high carbohydrates, you know, we're going for the, the cookies, the chips, uh-huh. the coffee. Um, but if we start eating a higher fat diet, hmm. we can actually start to produce these ketones. Higher so, fat, okay. Yeah. And or good fats. Sorry? What are some good fats? Yeah, yeah. so really fats? easy basic go-tos, coconut oil, okay. avocado, grass-fed butter, ghee, Olives, you know, really everyday simple stuff that you can like. I, I go through two all or two avocados a day easily. Mm. I eat them on my own with some sea salt. That's a good. That's yeah, good. I mean, if we think about our hormones, <laughs> including our sex hormones, they're all made of fat, cholesterol. So most of us, right? We've been taught that fat is bad. It's going to make us fat. Right. It, <laughs> it increases our risk for heart attacks, and we're we're having a low fat diet, and the hormones are just going down the tube. So one of the things I noticed when I when I started doing a high fat low carb diet and getting on the ketones, okay, was my sex drive went up significantly. Okay, so high fat low yeah. carbs, like, and we do, and yeah. It was incredible because <laughs> my sex drive had been gone for about two years after going through a, wow. a, a, an extensive period of stress. I went through a divorce, wow, and I, there was just nothing left to me, and I thought I, I could care less if I ever had sex ever again. Mm-hmm. And then something started shifting when I got on this diet and and this supplement and. I had a, a client text me the other day, and she was like, oh, she's in her, I think, early 40s, and she was like, oh, my God, my sex drive is, like, off the hook. Like, what is going on? And I said, well, that's what happened when you start to, you know, nourish your body, balance your hormones. Balance your hormones. Yeah, we're balancing okay. our hormones. And, and know, make friends with your sexual script. Just the script. I want to get to the script yeah, because you, 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 I think we need to marry absolutely, what, what you're absolutely. doing and what I'm doing right. because me alone – can't do it all, and you alone can't totally. do it all. But with this multi-disciplinary yeah. approach, integrative, yeah. integrative, holistic. Uh, holistic because right. I can help someone. I could reframe till the cows come home. Yeah. I could do psychoed. I can explain. Right. I can, you know, process the shame and blah blah blah. Uh-huh. Love your body. Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. But if their hormones are out of whack or they are, have a testosterone deficiency, Test- it's only going to go so far. Wow. And mm-hmm. same with you. You know, Absolutely. you could get them on track hormonally, but if they hate their husband, Absolutely. right? Yeah. You know, they're not going to want to have yeah. sex. Yeah. And you, you talked about that. And I do yeah. want to just get, because we do have some people in the chat. Of course, yeah. J.R. Shot, thank you so much for joining. And it's okay. He called me Constance, which is Candace, which is fine because people do it all the time. <laughs> and of course, we have Jimmy V. Um, we also have the millennials want to know when is the best time of the month to get freaky? Is there a way to find out? And this is uh, a guy. So is there, for men, uh-huh. do men have cycles? Is it a certain time of the month? Um, I think he was saying, uh, Jimmy V, if you're talking about connecting with your ladies, the closer she is to ovulation, the hornier she'll be, correct? correct. So if you have an idea... And the of, more fun you know, in bed she'll be. And the more fun <laughs> in bed, and that's because there is an evolutionary urge for us to... Procreate, procreate, communicate. <laughs> yes, you know, girl. <laughs> That's right. And women are um, unwittingly dressing more provocatively uh-huh. when they're fertile. 
they value different traits in men. Wow. When 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 women are ovulating, they value promiscuity. They in the man. In the man. Because they're looking for a and short dominance term. and aggression. Wow. Because these men are more genetically fit. Because they have more masculine features. Able to procreate. Yes. Able to get them pregnant subconsciously. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And when women are not ovulating, they tend to value kind of the nicer guy, the more loyal guy who's going to stick around and help them raise Junior. Like Coco. Get some Coco in, the, in, a, in a big, warm, fluffy blanket. <laughs> There's a name for it. It's called the ovulatory shift hypothesis. Okay. Or um, uh, ovulation theory. Okay. That... Mm-hmm. that Choices are being made about who we want to sleep with. Women are more likely to cheat on their partner when they're fertile than when they're not. So when they're ovulating. So about two weeks after they start to bleed. So if you are in a relationship with someone, that's something that you can focus on. And as a woman, it's it's really funny that I am just kind of becoming aware of a lot of this stuff, which I'm like, I just I want to I want to say it because. There's a lot of it. It's a very, it can be, it's not complicated, but it's just not information that's put out there. There's a lot of like kind of what I call very heavily raunch stuff Uh without figuring out how to backtrack. Like how do you get your libido strong as a woman? And as like, I believe that as a woman, you feel the most sexy when you are the most comfortable Mm -hmm. and you know the most about yourself. And that's why, you know, it's, it is often said that as a woman becomes a little more mature, she feels sexier, she right. performs better. Right. And um, it's Women a bit, yeah. enter their sexual peak in their 40s. Yeah. Men pass their peak at 18, mm-hmm. 18 to 20. What? Then they start going downhill. In terms of what? Physical? Or? Physical uh, prowess, okay. uh, uh, you know, um, refractory oh. period. Oh, okay. Like um, performance. Performance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's fascinating. I just have to uh, hit the uh, the boards again. Um, of course, uh, we have A-Dog saying that uh, the hosts and the guests look particularly beautiful tonight. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, of course, we have Trini Boy, who is a DMC VIP. Thank you so much, Trini Boy, for, for being here tonight. He wants to know, women know from the first time they see a man if they want to have sex or not. Do you agree, not agree? Jackie, we'll, we'll start here. For me, just what Kimberly was talking about, and we're just, you know, it's all about where I am in my cycle. I'm constantly tracking. And if I'm in around that ovulatory, to- ovulatory time, you know, who I'm going to choose and go for as a yeah. mate and yeah. want to be sexually active or not is going to, is going to vary. And it's, it's, it's day four, day, usually day yep. five to 14 is like classic. I know when I want it, what I want. Yep. And second half of my cycle, I'm more withdrawn, introverted, and I really could, you know, kind of come down to caring less so much. Right. So the bad boy yeah. syndrome. So you deconstruct, and but as a woman, oh. knowing this about yourself can make you go, can make you less likely to make stupid mistakes. Absolutely. Okay. A thousand percent. And it's important. And I, I, I assume you, and I also yeah. educate women. So you're under the influence of these chemicals. Right. It's time, a chemical. Yeah. Right? It's drugs. So it you're, you're, you know, you're intoxicated with neurochemicals. And it, when someone meets and they fall in love. And they they have that dopamine rushing, right. and they it's called a limerence stage. It has a name, and there are associated symptoms. Um, and they can see no fault, and it's, it's all everything's perfect and wonderful, and so on and so forth. I tell them, please don't make any major decisions mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> and which stage again? Just so it's we... called the limerence okay. stage. That sort of transcendental, transformative experience, okay. falling in love stage. The beginning. The beginning. Okay. The beginnings. Nature designed the beginning yeah. to be phenomenal so that we would continue as a species. 
the warts start showing up after that. Mm. Now, does that is that? I'm sorry, is that about nine months in? Did you? Say? It, uh, the research ranges from eighteen to twenty four months. Eighteen to twenty four. Okay, so this is where I. Um, kind of am against the idea of people getting hot and heavy and then immediately going into LTR. If you watch the show, you know it's long-term relationship. People start getting googly eyes because, you know, as if uh, if Chaos J was here, he'd say they're lost in the sauce because you're yeah, lost absolutely. in the sauce. You literally like, are. The yeah. part of your brain that lights up when you're in the limerence stage yeah. is the same part of your brain that lights up when you're psychotic on an MRI. It's the same wow. part of the brain. So when we say he's crazy in love, we mean it. We yeah. are crazy. Yeah. So, so Kimberly Resnick Anderson, you say no big um, decisions until 18 to 24 months. Well, I don't know that I would go that far. Right. Certainly within the first three to six months. Three to six. That's when you are really got the dopamine flowing. Yeah. And you can see no faults. And you have <laughs> rose-colored glasses. And, you know, your family, your friends could tell you, like, this guy's trouble. And you're like, I love trouble. <laughs> You know, it's it. There's Everything it. about nothing. him is just oh like, my oh my gosh. God, isn't it fantastic? Wow, he just puked on the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? He's, he's so just... special. Who would do that? He's yeah. so spontaneous. Yeah, he's so adorable. <laughs> and then five years later, it's like, yeah. ah. And that doesn't mean you can't have a satisfying relationship or right. even a sexual relationship. But you cannot be certain. Hmm. Especially if I, my rule, I tell my, I have three sons, I tell them they are not allowed to marry until they're at least 26. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're not who they're going to, they're not the men that they're going to be. Because our brains don't stop growing until we're 26. Okay, thank you. It's the 20s. Mm-hmm. It's age 26. So my frontal cortex hasn't fully developed until hasn't. 25. So I said, if you at 26 bring someone home and say, mom, I want to marry yeah. her or him, whatever, whatever goes in our house, mm-hmm. you have my blessing. Bring someone home at 20? No. I mean, not that I could right. literally stop them or legally stop them, but in terms of my trust in their capacity to make a good choice. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Jackie, mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any tips or just, you know, quick and easy uh, tips for men on how things that they could integrate into their everyday diet to help them with performance, help them last longer, help them go quickly, more quickly after recovery? Yeah, again, I'm always going back to those healthy, nourishing fats. Okay. So just basic things like those avocados grass-fed butter, you know, ghee, um, you know, any kind of antioxidants, so berries, blueberries, raspberries are going to give us some some nice energy. Um, Any of those kind of things. And don't smoke. Smoking is the enemy of the penis. And that includes marijuana, is that right? Well, I'm speaking of cigarettes, like nicotine cigarettes, um, but drinking, smoking, you know, Mm -hmm. being obese, um, high blood pressure, Um, all of these things, high cholesterol, they do wreak havoc on your sexual response. Mm -hmm. So there's putting good foods into your body, but there's also Mm -hmm. having a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And is there any, I mean, supplementation? Because I'm always thinking of, and it's, we have a guy party in the chat tonight. It's a girl party in the studio (laughs) and a man party in the chat. And thank you, uh, Jimmy V, my wonderful host. And you probably were looking at me when the show started wondering what I did with Jimmy V. (laughs) And Chaos J are having the night off, but they will be back. We'll all be back next week. Um, uh, Kato Collective mentions all your sex hormones are made from cholesterol. Mm -hmm. So the high fat, low carb diet is the ultimate tool for fueling along an amazing sex life. Yeah. High fat, Mm -hmm. low carb diet. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm thinking we're here in Los Angeles and I'm thinking if I'm 
a normal guy running around. Maybe I hit some fast food sometimes. Yeah. I go to the gym because I want to look good. Yeah. I live alone. My mom's not cooking for me. I don't, I'm not necessarily hitting farmer's market. Yeah. How can I have a, a, um, a negotiation that I live my life, but I integrate what you're doing? So maybe mm-hmm. if I do that, can I get the results? If I just put... A, a couple things like absolutely really you know I'm all about quick and easy so I tend to like no more than 15 minutes max when I'm cooking my meals like I'm in and out I'm busy I've got things to do right (laughs) and so a really quick and fast meal that was my favorite go-to is a big bed of salad greens with some apple cider vinegar to help with the digestion move out those xenoestrogens top with some maybe some olive oil or some avocado oil okay and then I'll do some kind of quick um you know, healthy grass-fed meat. So maybe that's beef. Um, I'm always going for the fattier choices for chicken, for pork chops, mm-hmm. right? Again, because we're going for that high fat, right? Okay, interesting. Um, so sometimes I'll do a batch of meat in advance, and then I'll have it for, you know, a few days, and I'll just toss it in my little thing and go um, in and out. Like, it sounds crazy, right? <laughs> this is great go, for our audience. Right? It's we're, great. Like, let's be real, yeah. right? We're, we're on the go, and we, you know, we got to grab some fast food. You know, I think it's called protein style, and they do it in a lettuce wrap. Fabulous. Drop, drop the bun, drop the carbs, Ooh. and opt for that instead of, you know, your your traditional hamburger. This is great. And just forget the soda, get a water, right? Exactly. Okay. You know, and if you're on the run, you're on the go, you're driving, stop at the grocery store. You can stop at, like, the, the prepared deli section, you know, grab some kind of cooked veggie, a piece of meat. Like, I'm all about protein veggies. I mean, that's mm-hmm. high fat, low carb. And protein then, veggies, yeah, okay. And then you add in your oils, your good healthy fats. So I think it can be easy. Um, it's just sort of making those conscious health choices. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you are a person just with hormonal balance, because this is a fascinating area, yeah. do you um, recommend acupuncture? You recommend seeing a specialist. Let's just yeah. say I live in like Wichita, and I'm like, it's yeah. interesting what she's saying because I have horrible PMS, <laughs> yeah. and I like don't recognize myself because my moods are up and down. Yeah. You know, everyone's unique and different. Exactly. So I think I've shared in some of my videos on, on my site that yeah. I've spent over twenty to thirty thousand dollars in the last. 20 years trying to address this PMS, um, lifelong depression, anxiety, and I'm, you know, I keep going back to the ketones, but the pure therapeutic ketones for men or for women, for me, that was a game changer in terms of helping to balance those hormones. So something as simple as that, it's something you can drink, it's really yummy, it's, it's sweet, um, naturally sweetened with stevia, Mm -hmm. you can add that to your everyday, you know, health routine and shout out your website and i know you do yeah. facebook live too yeah, i do yeah okay what's yeah, so your it's, website uh, com. okay great yeah. and you do facebook live segments I as do. well yeah and i see a lot of my clients over skype and facetime actually so and you yeah. know what um uh kimberly resnick anderson kra i know that you have <laughs> been you're in a lot of media you're a contributor for women's day other publications you're quoted in a lot of things you're also the on-air you've been the on-air expert for tlc's strange sex series yes and you've also been in very serious medical journal journals and taught in universities as well um do you have any tips for people on how they can unembed or shed some of the unhealthy or inaccurate messages that we get from um social messaging that's a toughie. It's a big one, yeah. isn't it? Okay. Uh, I've been doing this 25 years, yeah. and you would I would like to say that in 25 years we've come a long way. Right. Um, in certain areas we have come a long way, but in certain areas we haven't. And it's because of the shame and the conflict that 
adults bring right. and pass on to their children. It's a weird conflict. It is a really weird Just because as a woman, I've been thinking about this, and I've been looking at some of the data lately just about women's um, sexual fantasies, mm -hmm. and it, someone put it very well. They talked about, on one hand, and this is for women, mm -hmm. there's the idea that you should be very sexy sexual right. but on the other hand you shouldn't be promiscuous because that decreases your mate value this fine Damn. line right? <laughs> that is a car accident right and and i could give a hundred of those kinds of mixed messages right. uh, different examples um it's really hard to negotiate um so i think that's one of the reasons why women are so willing to have sex before they go on a date Wow. Mm -hmm. I, I personally find it tragic just because I, I personally regard like my body and intimacy and that mm -hmm. connection with somebody as something like very sacred. And as a woman, I wish, um, I wish there was more messaging that wasn't just like, give it up because right. you're not disposable garbage for a guy's mm -hmm. five right. minute pleasure. But and women, I think that that's got to have a horrible, horrible blowback oh, on girls. But Constance, <laughs> young women say to me that they're offended that they that people assume that they're giving it up against their will. I treat young women who are empowered, mm, okay. who own their sexuality. That's cool. And they, you know, they use what their mama gave them. You okay. know, and uh, there's no shame in it at all. Mm. If, if you're coming, if at it you're from coming at it from right, yeah, from claiming and I celebrating. I like to hear that. Mm -hmm. So it's not a, I have to do this or yeah, boys won't like guy. me. It's I do this because it makes me feel feminine good. and sexy. Mm -hmm. That is good. So I just wanted to give a little shout out. I like that. I that, like that. For that headspace yeah. because I think it gets it pathologized. Exist. Yeah. And I don't think it's fair. Yeah. No, very good. It's, um, of course, in the chat, we, I did want to invite you, please uh, submit your questions. You just, nothing's off the table. So go ahead. I'd love to hear from the guys. If you do have a question, we have some experts in the house. Um <laughs> What are some things for a man? I know that uh, we had talked, well, I really wanted to talk about something called a sexual script, which immediately just rocked my world and grabbed me, uh, my attention. And you talk about a sexual script, and you on your website you mentioned one sexual script is usually in place by puberty. Hmm. Wow. Tell me about that. Or younger, if you can believe that. Now, what is a sexual script? So a sexual script is an awareness and an understanding of your sexual intentions and what you are intrinsically responsive to. So if I were going to say that very simply, I would say what turns you on. Okay. Okay. Cool. And what turns you on gets internalized, deeply ingrained, mm -hmm. like, a, like an imprint. Wow. And unlike a computer where you can erase the hard drive and reprogram, we can't do that. Dang with our sexual scripts. Now we all have some degree of wiggle room and I've treated probably six or 800 sex offenders and I was able to, to make movement with them to where they genuinely, you know, approach things differently and to the point where I would have trusted them, you know, child molesters to take care of my own children. That's how wow. far they have come. Some of them, uh, some of them were, you know, just their script was such that it was just um, really immutable. But for example, I treat a man now, and he's into bondage. And he told me that when he was five years old, he would watch Batman. Shout out to Adam West. And yeah, Adam, Adam West, West, who we just lost All recently. Right, rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. And he would watch Batman when he was five years old. And the damsel in distress, the, 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 the vulnerable woman in Batman was tied to a chair, if you recall. She was always tied up. Yeah. And he remembers at age five, 
being aroused by that hmm. and understanding not on a cognitive level like this is my kink mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that this was something very compelling for him and and it could not be undone to this day he struggles with trying to broaden his sexual repertoire but he's dependent on those themes and images in order to complete the phases of sexual response mm -hmm. meaning he can't get an erection or keep an erection or have an orgasm without either literally engaging in some sort of rope play or at the bare minimum fantasizing about doing so. So an unconventional sexual script. Yes. You have been reading my website. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you oh, go, girl. <laughs> I'm becoming proficient in KRA you, you lingo. Are. <laughs> you are. I'm impressed. Um, J.R. Shedd mentioned, I have been someone that has had sex with someone when first meeting someone. Mm -hmm. While I did have sex in my mind and was willing to have the experience, but after I felt bad for some reason, and maybe it's because of my religious upbringing or I don't know. Mm -hmm. And Trinity Boy says, I have felt the same way. Why is that? Well, because of all these mixed messages. You know, you've got your, like I said, you've got your, the biologic part of your desire that is really pushing and driving you to express yourself sexually. And then you have these social messages about what's appropriate and what's decent, and they don't always align. And even though it sounds like their, their partners were receptive, afterwards they might feel like, you know, did I use her? Does she think I'm a player? Or do I need to call her now? It's just complicated because of all these different expectations. Um, but you know, religion really does do a lot of damage mm -hmm. to people's sexual health because there are messages about how to behave that are counter to nature. And monogamy is not natural. That's a man-made value. Wow. So we are animals and we, left unchecked behave like animals, right? Somewhere along the way we got civilized and we, we internalized these values about you know monogamy and what's right and what's wrong, but humans are not biologically engineered to be monogamous. Women or men? Humans. Humans, okay. Humans. I just want to put it out Hom there. Homo I'm like, sapiens. Homo <laughs> sapiens. <laughs> and so, Primarily men, but some women come and see me and they say, am I terrible that I think about mm. wanting to have sex with someone else or that I do have sex with someone else mm. or that I might have sex with someone else? And those feelings are natural. So I do, right off the bat, I kind of, you know, I, I try to validate the, the feelings and where they're coming from. But then I just have to talk with them about negotiating their particular values and and... and is it something they can fit into their life or not? Or maybe they shouldn't be married, or maybe they shouldn't be in a committed relationship, or may maybe they should pursue polyamory, or maybe they should be a swinger, or maybe they should, you know, um, be on the down low. I don't right. know. I, I don't have the answers. Exactly. I just provide a safe place where people can explore. And if you had to kind of, it looks like one of the things that you have to do as an individual to kind of deconstruct your true sexual self, mm -hmm. your authentic sexual self, 
what would you say if you had to pick a few pillars, mm-hmm. places that you can start thinking about in your own life mm, that question. have created those? You know, you had to just, you know, I'm sure. thinking of where it could have come. Yeah. Like, Mama, what? For sure. What would you say maybe? So throw I would a few say um, your awareness and understanding of your parents' sexual relationship. Parents' relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sexual and otherwise. Okay. I ask every patient I treat, did you ever hear or see your parents having sex? It's one of the one of my standard questions. Mm-hmm. What do you know about their sex life? What do you know about their courting? What, you know, were, were they pregnant before they got married? What were the, you know, I ask these questions. Okay. So then the next major, every stage is critical on some mm-hmm. level, but prepubescent and, and, and then the unfolding of puberty. You know, were you a late bloomer, early bloomer, average bloomer compared to your peers? Physically? Physically and emotionally. Interesting. In terms of your social understanding of the changes and the expectations. You know, were you the first boy to shave? The last girl to get your period. All these things matter so much. And I, I have to, if you were a late bloomer, what would that, would that have some kind of general implication? It would be harder for a boy than a girl. Okay. Because for boys, you want to be first. Because uh, you're the last one, you know, to, to get armpit hair or, you know, have your growth spurt. Then you're much more likely to be a target of bullying, okay? Um, because of our the value we put around certain masculine traits, yeah. And so for for a guy to be the first one to shave, that's cool. Middle of the pack is fine, but to be the guy you know who has peach fuzz in twelfth grade, like one of my kids, um, that's tough. So how did puberty unfold? Was it a shameful experience or was it a positive experience? I ask for girls, when you got your period, who did you tell? How did they respond? You know, one woman told me today, actually, that her mother took her out for a celebratory lunch. Wow, that's really sweet. Um, Another woman said, um, welcome to the curse. You know, her mother told her, welcome to the curse. And, you know, and positioned it as a burden and a cross to bear and you know negative there was nothing exciting or positive about it and so these these seemingly unimportant interactions or reactions to these life events really do shape and then you know I ask someone for a sexual experience you know intercourse and and short of intercourse was it humiliating? Was it embarrassing? Was it spontaneous? Was it planned? Was it exciting? Did you have an orgasm? Uh-huh. Did, did you come too fast? You know, did someone laugh in your face? So <laughs> all these things cumulatively form our sexual story. It does. And um, so, so the three that I just heard, and I just want to reiterate that. So parents' relationship, mm-hmm. um, your development, if you were a late bloomer, middle of the pack, or um, uh, early, early uh, person. Mm-hmm. Um, also, your, your first sexual experience. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to uh, shout out to our chat. We, um, uh, Trini Boy mentioned that I will say sex is important in a relationship for me, but an emotional connection is equally important. Mm-hmm. And we hear this. I hear this mm-hmm. a lot of, from our male viewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.R. Shad seconds that. And <laughs> J.R. Shad said he was a late bloomer when he first had sex. Um, and... Uh, I'm sorry, I just, uh, the chat here, um, he lost his virginity when he was 20. I was just very focused on, on school. And, of mm-hmm. course, J.R. Shah said same age for him, so 20, mm-hmm. which is considered more of a late bloomer, I guess. It's very cultural. Depends on what part or region of the country you live in, what country you're from. 
you know, there's these rites of passage. There's a big world out there outside of the United States. And in some cultures, there are um, things that happen. Uh, and if they don't happen, then you're shunned. Right. And if, if certain things do happen, you're mm-hmm. shunned. And, and, you know, pockets of cultures within a community, too, have their own uh, values around things. So there's a lot to negotiate. There is. And I, I do want to just ask you, what are some ways that you could help a person have more courage sexually? Whether it is, I'm not going to be sleeping with, you know, I want to wait. You know, this is my choice. I want to wait till I'm engaged or married. And instead of, you know, peer pressure, some of us think, oh, you know, I, I'm not bothered by peer pressure, but you are bothered by it. Or people just harass mm-hmm. you or think they can harass you. Do you have any tips for people to kind of be able to say, this is me, this is what I'm about? And, you know, I, I would say, and I'm curious for your answer, yeah, I would say um, they need to make friends with their sexuality. And I use this term and people look at me like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Or I'll say, invite it for tea, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Inv- and they're like, what do you mean invite it for tea? I'll say, get to know be curious about your own sexual script, right? Um, desire, arousal, orgasm, satisfaction, orientation, okay. gender identity, and intention. These are the seven components of sexual okay, identity. Seven. Is this on your website? Yes, it is. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> and so if you can't answer questions about those seven components of sexual identity, then you haven't made friends with your sexuality. Wow, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Now, speaking mm-hmm. of friends, I just want to shoot to you, Jackie, mm-hmm. um, and and I want to get your take on this, but I also then want to make sure I ask you about chronic PMS, because of course we're getting short on time, but I, I know that you're a PMS um, uh, woman who's a maven, I guess you could say, in that area, <laughs> and a period maven, so I don't want you to leave, because I want to know what chronic PMS looks like. But back to this idea of, of about having strength about your sexuality and, and your hormones and your body from yeah. this biological perspective. Well, you know, just what you're talking about, Kimberly, for me, I'm always talking about the body and for women getting connected in the body. So when I talk to my clients, I'm like, what's that feel like in your body? And they go, what? What are you talking wow. about? Right. I don't, I, because we're so, so we're so disconnected. We're so, we you know, are. and especially if we've had trauma in the body, it's not safe here. It's not safe to be in the body. So I'm, I'm curious about what's going on and, and the relationship, you know, you nailed it. It's like, what is your relationship with your body? You know, we've been given this beautiful sacred vessel and, you know, how, how do we treat it? How do we, you know, constantly we're criticizing, oh, our thighs are too big, our boobs are too small. And, you know, for me, it's really been over the last four years is really getting involved with this and forming this relationship and, and getting connected you know, and just knowing my body, like you were mentioning earlier, not even really, like, so many women out there have no idea what their hormone cycle is. They're like, estrogen, None. progesterone, what? So getting connected and, you know, just asking your body what it wants, what it needs. When I think about, you know, dating, I'm always, you know, not really there right now, but <laughs> I'm thinking about, like, what would it feel like to, to feel safe with a man? Wow. How does that feel in my body? You know, I, I want to feel calm. I want to feel grounded. I want to feel connected. I want to know that I'm not going to lose myself and it's safe. So I'm always going back to the wisdom. I think the body always knows before we know. Oh, yes. You're it's giving us signs. your body. Yeah. Right. It knows and we don't listen. And, and You're I, absolutely I often, right. It's, it's just, that's just something that anybody can do wherever you are. <laughs> doesn't matter how much money you have. doesn't matter straight if you're now. married, single, whatever you Gay, are. Straight. Just start turning the consciousness yeah. inward. And yeah. I know I talk about this a lot of times yeah. we extrospect. Yeah. We're always looking outward. Like, is there a car coming? You know, yeah. is and there this? We don't introspect a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. not natural for us. So ladies and men too, start turning in especially inward. men because women are more 
psychologically minded anyway, just by virtue of our gender. And so what I do when someone has a sexual dysfunction or symptom, a guy comes in with erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation. And I say, okay, your body is trying to tell you something. Mm -hmm. I want you to reframe this problem as a friend. Okay, friend, friend. Your penis has your back. That's awesome. You're right. That's what I tell them. So instead of feel betrayed by your penis, why don't you thank your penis, right? Because your penis is trying trying to communicate. And so I do a lot of reframing like that. And just that is an intervention. Mm Can someone can walk out feeling so wow. much calmer? They'll say, "Okay, my penis has my back. There's a reason this is happening. There's yeah. a reason I'm losing my erection with yeah. this particular partner." Listen to the wisdom of the penis. Yeah. Listen to your <laughs> penis. <laughs> um, I have to do a bonus route just because we are running out of time. But I do have some people in the chat, and I they are asking some specific questions. Um, uh, J.R. Shad talked about uh, shame, and he said also the fact that this was one of the first times I had a sexual experience with a man since coming out as bisexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that was just a comment. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, Trini Boy had mentioned, I found out after we had sex that my last girlfriend was a virgin. I had no idea, and I never mm-hmm. forced the issue with her. She wanted to go there. Can I ask the panel, does masturbation help or hurt with your sexual discovery? Mm-hmm. Great questions. There's a couple questions there. Do you want to take a stab at any of those? Um you know, I mean, I just think about, again, going back to forming that relationship with ourselves, mm-hmm. and I mean, getting to know what we like and what feels good and right for us, and then being able to communicate and connect that with with our partner. Okay. Yeah. I would say that masturbation um, is not inherently good or bad. It's It's natural and healthy, and it can serve as a very um, wonderful outlet but it can also serve as a disconnector. Ah. And I treat a lot of men with masturbation-induced erectile dysfunction. Really? Because they get dependent on their own hand. Right? They can control the, the pressure, the speed, the, you know, how, how much, how soft, how hard, so on and so forth. And that cannot be simulated inside of a vagina. Unless you have little fingers inside, right, of the vagina and you can squeeze and release and and do all these things, you're not going to be able to replicate that experience. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes men become dependent on masturbation and they are no longer responsive to intercourse. Or oral stimulation, for that matter. Wow. And I'm just have to move along, because I know that you probably have more information on your website, and you have videos as well. Uh, J.R. Shed, I have a question. It might be off topic, but I want to know if there is ooh, if there is something wrong, but when it came to me, have uh, so I had oral sex with someone, and I was aroused, but when it came to intercourse, I could not perform. Was it in my head mm-hmm. thing or not? Uh, Likely. 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 So um, there you go. It's a great springboard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Opportunity to know Trust yourself. Trust your penis, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Trust and, your and this is an opportunity for you just to have a deeper self-understanding yeah. of yourself. There was something about probably that situation. Yes. Um, and I do want to get to MILF next door. Uh, what would you advise a couple door. who, I know that's a funny, it was dirty MILF next door, not even MILF next door. Oh, I love it. Um, that, what would you advise a couple who began as a monogamous, but then one partner realized they'd like to become poly, but the mm-hmm. other partner doesn't know that at all. And one now knows they don't want to be monogamous forever. So someone wants to be poly, mm-hmm. someone does not want and to. And this is the sort of thing that I negotiate with couples in my office all day long. 
You so, so it's a negotiation. It's a negotiation. And it can be worked out, yeah? It can be worked out. Okay. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I would recommend that they get some professional guidance. Some professional guidance. Yep. Right. And I offer free 15-minute phone consultations. That's awesome. And again, mm-hmm. where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on my website, www.kimberlyresnickanderson.com, yes. or on Twitter at, at Sex Talk Kimberly. Yes. Or you can call for a free consultation. The number is 818-334-5811. That's awesome. Your website is great, and so is yours, Jackie Robertson, because there's a lot of articles there. Oh, Kale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shout, shout out last words of wisdom. Yeah. Um, you know, eat lots of fat, get some ketones in your body, and just... You know, embrace your body. Yes. Listen to your body and its wisdom. Turn inward. That's the first step we can all do. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate that. All of us appreciate it. Of course, we appreciate you watching DMC. Join us next Wednesday. And of course, uh, respect your body, honor your body, and learn all you can. It's your sexual life. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live. Tip me Instagram at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.